Welcome to the Colors of Relationships podcast. All right, so here we are, first podcast, hello, right? Hello, everybody. Yeah, hello, Cedric. Hello, how are you doing, Dr. Asia? I am fabulous. So, this is the color of relationships, the colors of relationships. I left out my ass, but that's okay. Absolutely. I do it all the time. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the Colors of Relationships. And this month, to really honor our first podcast, our first real conversation in February, which to you means what, Cedric? Well, February is the month of love and Black History Month. I this February is a great month for me. I spend a lot of money with on candy, cards, and all the things above that I wind up people wind up eating and throwing away. Um, black History Month is extremely important for me. Mm-hmm. I think Black History Month is every month, in my opinion. But in this month, we commemorate it in a special way. And what we want to lean into is the color of red for love, and then black for Black History Month. So we're gonna, we want to get into talking about relationships, intimate relationships. So just to make sure we're not skimming and scamming over anything, the colors for this month, for this podcast, are red and black. black. Yep. Red to me, the first thing off of your the top of your mind, what is red? How do you define red? Red is of the heart. Mm. And that's what love is all about. It's all about the heart. That's what we've been told over time. Mm. Yeah. And what about black? Black is the people, mm. of course. And black is signifies strength. Mm. Um, when we think about, you know, the African culture and, and the color black it signifies strength so in some cultures okay yeah let's give a disclaimer let's give a disclaimer all right so but for us red and black are the colors for this month for this podcast and so i thought it would be interesting if we could focus on black courtship oh now you're you're getting into a deep waters here. All right. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. Hold up. So, courtship. For those of us who may not know, I'll define it as courting. You know, being from Birmingham, Alabama, courting. A, a person, particularly uh, a male for me, a man for me, pursues me, comes after me, not in no thriller kind of way, but like you know, make sure that if you're interested, you're taking the steps to convince me that you're the one. So now I will have to put a spin on it that mm. we're in the Snapchat social media generation. Now, why does it take the old guy in the whole on the team to point out that we're in a different form of courtship? But so, wait, wait, wait! Oh, we're jumping. You're jumping. You're jumping. You didn't grow up in no Snapchat, Twitter generation. But as a therapist, that is my reality. No, growing up. Let's start there. Okay. 
But before we do, just kind of a, a, a little fun fact. So while I was doing research about, you know, what are some African courtship uh, traditions that are practiced um, in our motherland, um, the courtship process is really about asking the family. And so a man finds a woman that he, you know, wants to pursue. He doesn't just go to her and say, we're going to be a family. You know, you're going to be my woman. What he does is he goes to the father. He goes to the parents and he asks permission. He spends time with that family and they get to know him before they actually say you have the go ahead. Then once he gets the go-ahead and, you know, the woman is all in, the family is on in, and he decides that he wants to possibly one day propose to her, he has to provide a dowry. A dowry is a, like, money offering or uh, depending on what culture you're coming from, an animal, something to help supplement you taking the daughter from the family. Because once you take the daughter, you're now taking the help or helping to the household to contribute to the income. So you have to replace what you're taking away, what is now shifting. So the dowry is offered, and if the family accepts the dowry, then you're able to marry the woman. And so it's really about thanking the parents for doing such a wonderful job with her. Like, thank you for preparing her for me, you know, and... I love that. I love that idea. What do you think? Well, I think in, that's very traditional. And that's what exactly kind of what I grew up on growing up in the South, in Florida, the opposite of Alabama. Mm. But we do have traditions there. Um, I grew up in that, that type of environment where um, men did pretty much court uh, the parents too, because if it didn't get the approval from the family, you know, nine times out of 10, it wasn't going to be any kind of wedding. Mm. Um, so the traditional, I would call it, I'm going to hang out there and say conservative way of, of, you know, engaging in a relationship with a woman is just like what you just described in, in African culture. Uh, those times have changed a lot. Um, people are getting married younger. I mean, not younger, sorry. Older, you know, research also said, says that people in the African-American community now are getting married less and they're getting married older. And so the whole traditional piece of asking parents could, it's it's going to be a dynamic shift coming in the, the future. Well, I mean, I think we're already there. No. So, disclaimer, I was once married, um, was with my ex-husband for, what, 13 years or so. I was fresh out, I was fresh out, out of high school, fresh into college. And so, we dated. But in that dating process, never did he ask permission of my parents. So when we think about like African traditions, some of the African traditions, before you can even date her, you have to ask the parents. The parents have to say, you know, what's, and, and this is the other piece too. They look at 
the partner's, the man's background. So what education do you have? Where do you plan to go to school? What's your plan? What's your future? So before you can even get access to the daughter, you have to provide like all of your social status to even say if you are of quality for her. None of that happened with my with when I dated my uh, ex-husband. There was no, are you good for my daughter? Are you, you know, and I think, I don't know, there's so many dynamics that can go there with that. You know, I think it goes to how close you are with your parents. I think it goes to how close you are with your father. Um, I think it goes to, you know, what were you even taught about the courtship process? So, you know, is your family even talking to you about, you know, when you meet somebody, we have to meet them first? I don't remember ever having that conversation with my family, for real. Yeah, I, I think from a male perspective, um, I've never, I guess, like, that's never been, you know, discussed with me how to go forward and court, court a woman or mm-hmm. take someone out on a date. All I learned is be respectful and represent who we are and re- represent your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very important to me. Uh, it was very important to people in my family. I think, you know, I, I always say this, and I'm, I'm going to take a reach about, um, you know, as from a black male perspective, um, is I we've learned how to be great dads. And so you get coaching around, this is how you be a great you know, father, this is how you be involved with your children. You're supposed to take care of your kids. You're supposed to work real hard and take care of your family. But I think one of the pieces that gets left out is how do you be in a healthy relationship court? How do you date a woman? How do you, how do you act as a husband? Hmm. So um, it's always been about providing. And I think that's one of the shortcomings, if I have to say, uh, through all my interaction with other males on a personal level and on a professional level is, you know, how are we having discussion about how to be affectionate, Mm. how to be intimate, Mm. how to be close, uh, how to be vulnerable, right? uh, especially when we're dealing with so much, um, so much stress that comes uh, outside of the family, how do you take get rid of that stress when you're into your intimate relationship and form a healthy attachment? And I think that that courtship process of having to ask the family, like that puts you at a vulnerable space. I think, so when we talk about being vulnerable for men and being affectionate and being willing to have like precious moments with your loved ones. I feel like we're always talking about like what to do at the end, like be a, be a protector, be a provider, uh, take care of your kids. But we don't talk about the beginning steps besides just be respectful. And so that whole piece of like going to the father Asking him for permission, 
letting him drill you about like who you are and what you've been through, spending time with him before you get even get access to the prize. Mm. That's interesting. That I think creates the vulnerability. That I think creates the esteem. That I think creates the ability to know who you are, step up and and step into yourself as a man. Cuz a man talking to an you could fool the woman sometimes, but you can't fool another man. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they that's why they came up with the term is like, you know, going through dad is like going through boot camp because mm. he has all kinds of questions for you. And not to mention if they have brothers involved mm. in the situation, you could be going and pick a, someone up for a date and you have, you know, all the the people, the panel of men there to interview you and give you instruction of what you should and should not be doing. Right. Um, again, that's very traditional. That is the traditional move. Now, we both have boys. I have yes. a 14-year-old son, or he'll be 14 March 14th, and I have a 9-year-old son, and you have? I have 11-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 17-year-old. We both have boys, right? Yes. What are we teaching? So now I guess we can jump into like this digital age. Yes. Relationship piece, right? Okay. So what are you teaching your sons? Like, all right. So they're not bringing any diaries to the parents, to the dads and spending time. The dads aren't coming to interview you for like, well, what family are you coming from? Right. So what are you teaching them? Well, they're teaching me, you know, to be honest, because I could teach them how I how to date traditional wise one of the things I focus on is being respect being respectful and asking permission Hmm. Uh, you don't own a woman you know a woman owns themselves that's a person that's an individual you whenever you feel like this is an ownership deal relationship then you're not in a relationship you're not ready for a relationship but what I learned from them is pops the date, the dating game ain't the same no more. You know, we were exposed to how we date on social media, how we connect, how we meet up as a group. It's just not the same anymore. So the digital age has kind of complicated that whole process of teaching young boys how to be how to date in a traditional way where you go pick someone up and then, mm. you know, you be nice to him, open the door up oh for him. Sometimes they go Dutch. And it's like, okay, you bring your money, I bring right. my money, we're all good in between. <laughs> and then we'll sit down and look at our cell phone and text right. each other yep. instead of making eye contact and yeah. being very intimate. You know, those intimate like skills that you have, like looking someone in the eye, opening the door for for them, you know, that might get diluted by someone hit you up on Snapchat and say, hey, who you with? And you forget to open the door or do anything. You don't have, they don't have the, the focus as we had when we didn't have all of those digital technology. Well, we were present. Well, wait a minute. What we're really talking about is social skills. They don't have social skills. They don't have our social skills. They don't have social skills. Looking people in the eye is a 
basic social skill. When you go to do business, look them in the eye. When you go talk to your teacher, look them in the eye. When you're doing negotiations, look them in the eye. You know, say thank you, say you're welcome. Those are basic social skills, and I think you're right. When we look at Twitter, Snapchat, and even like some of the dating apps, so when we talk about like, uh, oh my God, plenty of fish, Jesus Christ, <laughs> plenty of fish mean like more like a uh, plenty of duds. Um, it takes the middleman out. So I don't have to talk to your family. I don't have to meet with your friends. I don't have to do all that questionnaire type stuff. I can go straight to the source, which is, you know, and I'm not trying to like demonize like social media. I mean, social media and technology has moved us light years ahead. And when it comes to the courtship piece, you know, it's definitely given us more access than we've ever had before. One word, vulnerability. And how does that impact? Because in order to be vulnerable, you have to be somewhat present. And so, yes, I, I think social media and all this technology has been great. It's, it, it helps a lot. It helps us navigate our social relationships. But also, we have to consider when we're talking about relationship and courtships and intimacy, you have to be present. You know, who wants to go on a date where someone doesn't pay them any attention? They spend more, most of the time staring at their, their phone oh, that's the worst. or doing something else. That's the worst. Yeah. So you're married. Yes. I'm not. Want to hear a dating story? Want to hear a social media find your partner off a of plenty of fish uh, story? Yeah, I think you do. All right. (laughs) Thanks for speaking on my behalf. I think you do. So going through Plenty of Fish, anybody who has ever done online dating, hot as craze, you know, it's just the hot, it's, it's the thing now. Pretty much now when you talk to this generation and even older, you know, because getting access to people in all parts of the world is a beautiful piece about social media and especially online dating. In the 70s, you would not have met anybody in Dubai just off of just the strength of the phone conversation. It just wasn't happening. But now you can be in Bill Buck to Arizona and meet somebody in Hong Kong. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It brings us from worlds apart to spaces together. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my dating life is so... How would I describe it? My dating life is so, I wouldn't say it's dry, but it's definitely like far few in between. And I don't know if it's because like I'm, I'm, I'm super busy, single mom, entrepreneur, you know, doing things here on a Sunday, doing a podcast, you know. Yes. So am I. Yeah. Well, you're, you're married. You, you can do that. I should be out. I I should be out in the streets, uh, meeting my next husband. But anyway. So, of course, online dating is the thing to do, but I have found that I've definitely taken a huge break from social media and online dating. So the last guy I tried to talk to, oh my goodness. So what you find when you're doing online dating is that you cannot 
give out your number. I remember back in the days, like, if Twan or Ray Ray and them wanted to get my number, you just, hey, give them my number. You know, you, you tell your homegirl, tell Twan to text me, tell Twan to call me. I had whole relationships in middle school and never met a guy. You know, that was back in the day love. But now it's like, if you give a, a guy your number and he is not put together, you get like 20, 50, 60 text messages. So you have to go through this plethora of questions before you can even give a number, right? So, you know, what's your name? How old are you? Basic questions. Do you have a job? Who do you live with? Because for me, I, I cannot do, do you stay with a cousin? I feel like anybody who I talk to has to match what I'm doing, right? Oh. Mm. Mm. We'll we'll get to that in a minute. All right. Yes. So, who do you live with? Do you have a car? Do you have a car? Do you have a car? I'm not picking you up. I'm not picking you up. Public transit. So, we'll get to that in a minute. Um do you have friends? Are you married? Do you have kids? Do you support your kids? All right. So these are all the questions that you should get through before you just hand out your number. Cool. I thought I had kind of did that with this guy. And it, it was not a long thing. In fact, it, it ended within like two hours, right? So I give this guy my number and I'm like, hey, let's text. And he's like, okay. And so we're texting and he was like, do you mind if I call? And I'm like, okay, you know, make sure I'm talking to a guy or whatnot. And so I we call each other and he's whispering. And so I thought it was my phone at first and I'm just like, oh, okay. And so he's asking me questions and he's kind of telling me about himself or whatnot. And then I'm like, why are you whispering? And he was like, oh, I'm just whispering. You know, I just talk real low. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And so as we continue to talk, I hear somebody pick up the phone or take the phone from him. And no, they didn't take the phone from him. He was on the phone. But then, like, I hear this woman and she's like, who are you on the phone with? Who are you talking to? What's going on? What's, what are you doing? Oh, you're supposed to be taking me out. And this guy goes from whispering like, yeah, you know, I'm just a cool to B, why are you in my face? Get off my phone. This ain't none of your business. And I'm like, hello? Hello? (laughs) (laughs) And so I hang up, right? And I don't hear anything from him for like, hour and a half or something and then he texts me back saying i'm sorry love you know that was just a misunderstanding i hope that didn't ruin anything (laughs) and i'm like please don't ever contact me again (laughs) so that was just one of like 20 million stories of like not even getting past an hour and a half of conversation right see that you know i'm older and i didn't have to date in the social media days thank Um, god but I always, you know, it's it's a curious time. I know it, I don't know anything about that, and that's the piece that I and I enjoy the most. I don't care to know about that. I, I choose if my relationship doesn't work out, I'm gonna be one lonely bird <laughs> sitting on the beach chilling, old school, old head. 
But going back to when I was saying, like, you have to have a car and you have to have, you can't be living with your cousin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a lot of research has show, shown, especially with African-American women, and I'm I'm just saying the research, don't look at me I'm that not way. saying anything. Um, what the research is saying is that's kind of a barrier because it is a lot of good men out there who may or may not have a car, who may in, indulge in just using public transportation. It should be nothing wrong with that. I mean, are we judging courtship or who you should date on character? Or do you have a nice car? So I think that's a bit problematic I, because... But I didn't say nice car. I said a car, transportation. A bus is transportation. Okay. A train is transportation. Okay, you're absolutely right. So if we go to a concert, the concert ends at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. Buses stop, trains stop. In some cities. In some cities. Let's say it stops in this city. It stops at a certain point in time. Those trains and buses aren't running until 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, are they? Yes. Are they? Yes. Mm. Depends on what stop you're getting off of. Whatever the case may be, let's say it stops and he can't get back on the bus or the train. Uber. He can Uber. True. Taxi. That's true. That's what I'm saying is. But I, how often, how much, how many times can you do that though? As many times that work. I mean, like, I think that should not be a prerequisite. To someone saying, I want to date you. I won't date you because you don't have a your own transportation. You see people all the time dating, coming from a movie while riding a train, or they're on the bus, or they're taking an Uber. You know, some cities like New York, take New York, for example. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of brothers who don't really own cars, and they have high-powered jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we're not in New York. We're in Minnesota. Yeah, it's cold. But, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. But what if I want to be picked up? Well, I'll get an Uber. You get an Uber, come pick you up, or you can take a scooter. You know, we have scooters. What the heck? Who's They're taking fun. a scooter in twenty degree weather? That's a great. And how am I going to get on the back of a scooter? You get your own scooter. What? They can all. It's an app. But so why would go, I do a scooter when I have a car? It's fun. I thought we were talking about courtship here. So that's so that's a new experience, yeah. right? I just feel, and and this goes into the conversation of like women feeling like they date down. What is wrong with saying, "This is where I am. I want you to have the same." I want you to match me. Why do I have to say, oh, well, I have a car, but you don't have a car. So, yeah, you get around. But, okay, it, you don't have that, so I'll still talk to you. Like, that, doesn't that lower my standards or my expectations? It depends on what your standards and expectations are. You know, having a car does not, or material things does not equate to good people or it doesn't guarantee that a person going to treat you well. No. So I can have the, a, 
a nice car or a car or or a nice job and treat you bad. Or I could be a person who don't really have a nice car and I live a modest life and I treat you really well. So which one are you going to pick? I didn't say anything about a nice car. I'm not looking for the person with the Mercedes or the Lamborghini or something. I'm saying someone who is self-sufficient. Now, okay, you made a great point. Absolutely great point. Let me move to the next piece. He's living with his cousin, his uncle, his mama, his you fit a roommate. They're always living with a roommate. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if we can look at we're looking to reach to an international audience. Mm-hmm. So, I would love to hear from someone from you know, any other continent besides North American continent and talk about, you know, you know, communal living. That's what I'm going to call it, communal living. So, we look at communal li- living as a bad thing. In some cultures, they don't look at communal living as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I could be living with my brother, taking care of myself, have my own space, and want to save money to do the things that I like to do, like take you out on a date or go travel or do something like that. Or I want to take that money and invest it in my kids rather than saying I'm going to commit to a house or apartment I can save more money, and I can do the things that I like. I think that's, I'm open to that's a practical way of living. But, however, here, showing independence and in that you're able to take care of yourself and take care of your partner, that's that has to equal to I can live on my own, I have a car, I have a good job, that that doesn't necessarily equal that you're going to be treated right. And I think in intimate relationships and courtships, isn't it about being treated right and treated with respect and honored in a way? Um, I'm just throwing that out there. I think I, look, you got me thinking it hasn't moved me, which is fine. Um, Just because I think how, okay. So you have boys. Yes. Boys, one day turn 25 and 30. Yes. And they're living with you. Okay. And they're bringing this girl home. Okay. Their partner home. And they're dating her. And they're working. Yes. Okay. And they're working and they're, you know, saving their money. And they're dating the girl. So would you... I mean, would you have any, like, reservations or any concerns of, like, okay, you're having a relationship, you're working, I see you, you're still home with me. At what point do you transition? Well, what I would say is, you know, if they're dating, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. The rules of my house is the rules of my house, you know. So if you're living with me, it's like 12 o'clock. You need to be in the house. At 25? Church is a must. At 25? going to church. At 25? You're living with me. Okay. So the the person who owns the house gets to make the rules. That's true. So if you're going to choose to live with me and you're saying this is what I want to 
This is how I want to live my life. Understand that I'm going to have rules and I'm not an enabler. So if you're not doing what you're supposed to do and carrying your, carrying your load, then you might want to get your, your own studio apartment or something like that. Uh, I think that's the biggest issue. Is that person functioning well? And if they want to take their courtship or dating to the next level, I'm not okay with like people, other people living in my house because my house is for me and my family. You can come visit. That's cool. You can stay a couple of days. You can even stay a week or two. But if you have your own, trying to build your own life and your own relationship, then you're going to have to figure out how to get your own space because it's going to be crowded here and the rules may not be able to work for you and your partner. Right. So, so he, it's okay. has, he has to make those choices. So it's okay to start out at the beginning letting them date, you know, if they find someone they're interested in and bringing her home or them home and uh, having them in that space. So the dating piece you're okay with, but when we get more serious and really want to set up, settle down, then you need to think about something more independent, right? Yes. Okay. And, and with my boys, we'll talk about planning. How can we make that happen? Right. What are your goals? Is your goals to stay with me 24-7 and have me get up early in the morning, making all that noise because waking I have a thing to do, waking <laughs> you up, waking the household up? Right. Or is, do you see yourself having a house of your own, in your own space? You can decorate it the way you want to because I'm going to have my old school furniture up. I'm going to have an eight track out. I'm going to have everything bumping in the background, and I'm going to play my old school music loud. And on Sunday, I'm going to bust out the church classic. So you may not <laughs> want to listen. You may not want to listen to Shirley on on Sunday and Saturday morning. And then on Saturdays, it's chores. So we got to do the chores. We still ain't going to get away from that. Right. So they can pick and choose what they want, you know. And I think what we have to talk about when we're raising you know, when I'm raising my young fellas, it's more like, what do you want and how are you going to get to what you want? Right. I'm going to stay the same because I paid the cost to be the boss. And my parents say, when you get your own house, you can make your own rules. That's what I'm doing. And so I want to give them that opportunity and they don't want to, they probably don't want to abide by my rules or live the life the way I live my life. Right. And I think for my boys, I'm teaching them to become self-sufficient. You know, I'm, I'm trying to teach them that when you meet your partner, whoever you finally decide on, you should already be bringing it to the table. You are, you know, she has to decide. She's the picker. And so... She has to see that you're bringing all the qualities. And, of course, I'm teaching them how to be, you know, vulnerable and how to express their emotions and how to talk through issues. But the biggest thing is you have to you have to bring it. You have to bring it. I don't want their story to kind of be like my story where, you know, somebody's helped building you up. You're already built up because you've put in the work. So when she picks you, she's deciding she picks you because you're self-sufficient, you can take care of her, and you treat her right, and you're putting your morals and your values into place. So, Okay. And to close out, you know, I think courtship is more complicated than it is extending on this conversation. It so is. tailoring, understanding 
what you want and what you need and what are the expectations in the relationship and don't get pigeonholed into this whole notion that love has to look a certain way because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day if you could live with someone who respects you and contribute to the household and support you know you have similar values and you're able to enjoy your life with that's the benefit of 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 having a um, a close relationship mm-hmm. I'm still not letting go of you got to have your space and your car but that's for a whole that's, another, that's conversation. another conversation but that is the colors of relationships where we explored love red and black and we explored courtship please leave your comments uh, questions and ideas and even your own dating stories what are some of your best dating stories do you have a wonderful marriage story and what are some of your worst dating stories who ghosted you who said they would be there and didn't come back who are you glad didn't come back we want to hear from you thanks for tuning in and uh we'll see you later Be sure to find us on Facebook at Colors of Relationships. Follow us on Instagram at The Colors of Relationships. And find us on Twitter at The C-O-R Podcast. <laughs>